Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about bipolar disorder and mental health. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Susan Johnson. Susan is a mental health advocate, inspirational speaker, and the author of Some Dreams Are Worth Keeping. You can learn more about Susan and her book at her website, sjohnsonauthor.com. And you can watch her TED Talk, Having a Mental Illness is Not a Death Sentence, on YouTube. Welcome, Susan. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I am so grateful that you are bringing up these topics and your passion about helping to change and eliminate stigmas all about mental health. I love that. And I'm excited to hear your story and why this is your passion. Awesome. Let's do it. All right. So first of all, it's really important to know what bipolar disorder is. Are you educated in that? Me personally? Do you know, I have some friends who are, but I only hear the word. I don't really know what it entails from the inside out. So I would love to be educated on this whole thing and about what it really means, what what the maybe technical terms and definition is, and then what it's like to be inside of it. And what does it feel like when you go to the doctor and they come up with this diagnosis? I love the title of your TED Talk where, you know, this is not a death sentence where I can just imagine being in that waiting room and having, you know, someone say, oh, okay, you are diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And all of a sudden you feel like, well, my life is over. There, there's no end to this. So, you know, let's walk us through, help us understand. Okay, let's talk about what bipolar disorder is. Bipolar disorder is a mood disorder. It's a chemical imbalance in the brain, which causes euphoric highs, known as manias, and devastating lows to the point of suicide. Mm. A lot of people don't realize. You know, a lot of people use the term very loosely. Oh, she has bipolar. He has bipolar. No, this is impacts your life to the point that you need medication to have a successful life. This is a genetic illness. And for me, I went on a cruise and experienced mania for the first time. And if you don't know what mania is, it's if you've ever taken a drug, it's being higher than any other drug that anyone could ever take. It, for me, I was doing all these crazy things. I was dancing on tables and that was not like me at all. I was a non-drinker. I was 19 years old at the time. I was on this cruise ship with my friends celebrating our high school graduation. I went down this water slide in 50 degree water. People were screaming at me, you know, she's on drugs. I've never taken an illegal drug in my life. Found myself up all night. I'm writing in my journal. I could solve the world's problems. And I looked in the mirror on that cruise ship on that day, and I knew there was something wrong, but I had no idea what was happening. After the cruise ended, my mother, who is a nurse, picked me up after the weekend, and she knew exactly what was going on. Really? She knew that I was experiencing mania. Because she had taken care of her brother, my uncle, who also had bipolar disorder. And she knew that I needed immediate help. But there was a problem with 
that because when you're in mania, you think everything's great. You don't need help. You don't need a doctor. I mean, come on. And I was very scared of hospitals. At that time, most people end up in the hospital. They don't know what's going on. Some people will deal with psychosis, uh, very dangerous things. But my mom, uh, by the grace of God, was able to find a psychologist who agreed to treat me in his office as long as I agreed to take lithium. And that's where my first mania began. And then that led to the diagnosis at that that point. And lithium is one of those things that you can't get except through a drug. If your brain and your body is not producing it, then you need it from an outside source. And that is, uh, it's wonderful that we can get it from that outside source and fill that hole, that gap, that need that our brain has. So isn't it wonderful that we have things that can help us now? Can you imagine if it had been a hundred years ago and you were dancing on the tables and doing your whatever, and then it would just be, well, good luck with that. And now it's, okay, so here's what we can do to help you. And here's what, so what does it do when you take the lithium versus when you don't? Does it help kind of even things out? Well, also with medication, there are so many of it. There's, there's a lot of cocktails that different people that work for different people. And I've had to you know, figure out what works for me too. It started with lithium and now it's another cocktail, but what it does is it evens you out so that you're not too high and you're not too low. But the problem with it is you feel so normal. You're like, well, why do I need to keep taking medication? You know, I'm fine. And so that's where the problem lies where people go off it and yeah, it's just reckless. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit because I, I do have heard from many sources that is a struggle of when you're feeling fine. It's like, I don't need this. I don't need this. So you're saying when you're taking it and you're feeling normal, then it's like, well, I feel great. So I don't need to continue this. I'm all better. But again, that lithium is something that if our brain, our body is not producing it, it really does need to be added into the mix. So it's really important for those who are listening, please, if you, if your body needs this, please take it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, we eat food every day. I drink water every day. I breathe every day. There are things that my body needs, things that my brain needs, and there's no shame in that. There is no shame that I have to keep breathing every day, right? So (laughs) this is, this is all good. Absolutely. And it's important to realize it's no different than being a diabetic. A diabetic needs that medication. The well, insulin. I need right. it as well. And it needs to be put in those terms for sure. Oh, I like that. Okay. All right. So now you said you were, the, the, the diagnosis took place right after the cruise. And was this 95? Is that? It was. It was right when I graduated high school. Okay. Yes. So then, so then how did that feel? Was it, did it feel like a death sentence? Did it feel like, I mean, did you watch yeah. your uncle and, and know him and kind of see how he did things or? I was too manic to really grasp what it, what it meant or what it would mean to me at that point. So after I experienced that, I got moved kicking and screaming to Des Moines, Iowa. My father got a job there and I went to college and struggled having bipolar disorder while going to five colleges in four and a half years. Five different colleges. And you went to five, five different, different colleges, colleges because? 
it it's hard. It, it was very hard to find a place that I belonged to deal with the stress when you have bipolar stress sets it off mm. and to find the right place where I could thrive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So balancing. Yeah. Starting college over. Dang. Then they make you take your classes again and stuff. That everything transferred. I was very blessed. Everything transferred. Really? Yes. Uh, ha, ha. Okay. That is something definitely to be grateful for. Wow. Okay. That's wonderful. So that's such an interesting time when you're, you're just moving out and moving out on your own, which has so many unknowns because you haven't ever done it before. And it's like, Oh, I have to go to the grocery store by myself and I have to cook my own meals and I have to, you know, take care of myself and answer to myself and all these different things. And then in addition to that, having these other issues. So I think it would be challenging to figure out, okay, what issues that I'm dealing with and the stress that I'm dealing with have to do with my new situation and what has to do with um, my my emotional mental state of what, what assistance I need that way. So I can imagine that would take... It was hard, but I must say I had a wonderful psychologist. Excellent. Written uh, a lot about her. She shared my doctor's records and that's how I was able to write my memoir. And she just gave me all the tools I needed to have success, but it was very, very hard being young. And I ended up having to move back into the house to graduate college, which was hard, but it got me through it. Oh, that's wonderful that you had the support system from your family. Not everyone has that. So that is another fantastic thing. Isn't it wonderful when we have people on our team, we need help when we're trying to deal with things. Again, sometimes we think I have to do it all by myself. Some people think if I don't do it by myself, then I'm a failure. And so here you had a team together. You had a great psychologist and you had your parents who were helping you out. And so I'm glad that you had a good support system. And hopefully you had some good friends in place too that were able to help. Um, That is awesome. So what prompted you to write the book and what prompted you to do your TED Talk and, and to speak out not only to deal with this for yourself, but to be able to put the word out there so that you can help other people. So after college, I ended up moving to Virginia. And at that point, I hit rock bottom. Oh. And then, yeah. So I kind of denied everything and got, you know, off the wrong medication. Anyways, hit rock bottom. And then my parents moved me here to Las Vegas, where I currently live. And I was fine. Um, I found a wonderful doctor. He put me back together, got on the right medicine cocktail. And at that point, I wanted to find my husband. So it took a while, but I finally met the man of my dreams. And I was so okay with not telling anybody that I had bipolar disorder. At that point, it was kind of like my dirty little secret. Mm. I had gotten the job that I had always wanted, uh, which I which I work with special education students who have learning disabilities in an elementary school. And I was just fine living my life, happily married, but I knew I wasn't being honest with myself and that I needed to write a book as a healing journey for myself because things were creeping up from the past and I could not escape from them. So I took a, how to write a memoir workshop 
at one of our local casinos. I met a friend and I bought a book and I was ready to ride. Yeah. And then was it was hard. I, I didn't have structure. I didn't have discipline. The writing was really hard. So I found a how to write a memoir class at our local college and met a very special mentor. He was in his 80s, a man by the name of Bob Colley, and he encouraged me uh, to write my book. And it took six years to write. Really? It took six years? Very, very, very hard. So tell me why it was so hard and what stuff was coming up. Uh, Reliving, I had a huge stack of doctor records from my psychologist who had helped me in Iowa. And it, it, you know, reliving very horrible parts of your life is not easy. There were times when I had to take a step back, take a break. My psychiatrist, my current psychiatrist, like, you, you can't do this. It's making you sick. No, no, I have to finish it. I have to finish it. And when I did finish it, I thought, I, I never thought I would publish it. I thought it was just for my eyes. And then I started to realize, wait a minute, maybe this could help somebody. Maybe this could bring hope to people. So I decided to, to get it published. Oh, I love bringing hope to people. That is, to me, so important because we can't move forward if we don't have hope. If we don't have hope that it's going to be okay, hope that there's some help, hope that there's some healing, hope that there's some life and some normalcy that goes through. I'm sorry this turned into such a trauma. I talked to so many people and we work through trauma and what it does for the brain and how to overcome that. And so having this issue, this has been, it sounds like the main challenge of your life, just working on, on, on how to, how to function and how to move forward and how to be happy. For sure. I think my faith is really grounded me. I think it's important to have a higher belief in something. But for me, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Christian. So that's really, really helped me on my journey. And it continues to help me on a daily basis. Fantastic. I love that. And as we're talking about putting together our support team, I love putting God on our team. I just think it's not a complete team if we don't include God. So that is delightful. And we all do the best we can. And I don't ever push my beliefs or whatever onto anybody else. But for me personally, I believe God should be on my team. So I am delighted that you included that as part of things. Well, tell us about your TED Talk and um, what made you want to talk about this and to make it be more. And I love the title. It's not a death sentence. So I had a fear of public speaking in 2015. And I realized that when I joined Toastmasters International. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. So Toastmasters is a public speaking club um, and it instills leadership as well. And when I started speaking, I really just wanted to promote the book. And I literally had shaking knees in front of my club. People are like, I thought it was just, you know, uh, what that people were scared that people's knees didn't really shake, but no, mine did. And I continued to work at speaking about my book and bipolar disorder in my community, um, at Bible studies, at book events. And I gained confidence and my dream was to do a TED talk. 
TEDx talk. And one of our past presidents in my Toastmasters club ended up bringing one here to Las Vegas last year. But that was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do in my life. Really? It was every word had to be memorized. And for me, having bipolar disorder, memorization does not come. Really? I didn't know that was a symptom. It's not it's not true for everybody and learning every we're all so unique, but for me that is that's why college was so hard as well. Hmm. So, I had to memorize a 15-minute talk. Plus, we were in the middle of a pandemic. So, it got moved two times. That was that was so hard. It was just so hard. You just wanted to go over and I practiced and I practiced and there was a lot of anxiety. The stress really set off the bipolar disorder, but I was going to do it. And I was very happy with the way that I rocked that TEDx stage. Ooh, I like that. So you feel very successful about it. You rocked the stage. You not only did it, you did something hard and you did it well. Thank you. Yes. Lots of practice went into that. Lots of heart, lots of soul, lots of practice. And I am sure that that will affect and um, just influence so many people because there aren't a lot of people who are speaking about this particular topic. Because like you mentioned earlier, for many people who struggle with this, it is a dirty little secret. It's something where people think, oh, well, you are defective or less than. And especially we think those kinds of things of ourselves. And it's not helpful when other people are putting their beliefs on us, but it really starts with, how do I feel? Am I okay with this? Am I okay with me? Do I feel like I'm good enough? Uh, None of us are perfect. We all have our different issues and some of them have labels and some of them don't, but there isn't a perfect person on this planet. There isn't a single person who is not dealing with some kind of heartache, some kind of history, some kind of issue. Um, So I am grateful for you stepping up, being brave, speaking out, changing stigmas, and helping people realize, hey, look at Susan. Look at that beautiful smile. Look what she has done and what she has accomplished and the bright, beautiful future that is in front of her. And that means if I go to a doctor and someone gives me a diagnosis that I don't want and I would prefer not to deal with. In fact, maybe if I don't take my medication, I can pretend I don't have it. That kind of a thought, let's let's shift that over and say, it's going to be okay. Really, it's going to be okay. Do you have anything that you'd like to share before we close up? I just want people to know if they're struggling, if they think they can't go on anymore, to always remember that there's hope and there's help and to never, never, never give up and things are going to get better. Oh, thank you, Susan. Thanks for visiting with me today. Thanks for having me. I I appreciate it. In closing, I'd like to share a quote from Bill Clinton. He said, Mental illness is nothing to be ashamed of, but stigma and bias shame us all. Today, I invite you to soften your heart and open your mind about mental illness so we can let go of stigma and bias and show true compassion and understanding instead. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This An Action Plan to Calm Fear, Anxiety, Worry, and Stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.